Well, good morning, New Hope. Pastor John, great to be with you in person and online. I, I think one of the most rewarding experiences I've had as a pastor has come in times of challenging people to step up to the standard of God's word. And more than anything, it's been in times of, of walking with couples and in premarital counseling and walking to their big day and to marriage together. And in our conversations, we talk through God's design of marriage and the challenge to live according to God's best, his commandments to live according to his word rather than the word of man, of society. And I wish you could see their face. Uh, most of the time, they spend a little time looking at each other, then they look at the pastor and with, with their backs to the crowd during, during a wedding. But I wish you could see their face and the thank you, the sincere thank you I get for challenging them to, to walk in God's best before and during marriage. It's one of the most rewarding things. They, they say, thank you. Thank you for that challenge. Thank you for putting God's best before us. And I love seeing the freedom and the joy that God brings when we choose to follow his standards and live the way that he's designed for us. Today in our journey through Exodus, we come to Mount Sinai where, where God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments form the very core, the best of how we are to live in relationship with God and with our fellow man. So far in this series, Exit Strategy, Walking Towards a New Life, we've talked about how Moses was sent by God to help deliver the people from Pharaoh's hand in Egypt. And then through the miracles of the plagues and the Passover and the great crossing of the Red Sea, God d demonstrated his sovereignty as the one true God. And then the salvation, bringing people out of slavery into freedom. But how soon they forgot, as we talked about last week, how they selectively remembered their captivity in Egypt, how they had meat. And that began the, the start of their wilderness wanderings. And today we come to Mount Sinai. It's here where God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. And I think it's important to pause as we've been going through the series the purpose of the Ten Commandments to realize what's happened in our story. So by God's grace in his omnipotent power, he has performed the miraculous exit out of captivity into this walk of freedom. The Ten Commandments then becomes the standard of how to keep walking in the freedom that God has already brought by his grace and by his power. So here's the big idea for today. God's best, his top ten, and all his commandments are meant to keep us in freedom and to live living life the way he designed for us. So first of all, there's the foundation of our relationship with God. You see, the Ten Commandments are broken into two parts. The first four have to do with our relationship with God, and the following six have to do with our relationship with others. Here's the first commandment. And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Before we get the to-dos of the Ten Commandments, the story starts and is destined in God's grace 
and our identity in him. God is declaring his nature, his goodness, and his glory. The phenomenal work he's already done in in bringing them. I am the God who brought you out of Egypt. And we see this truth of God's grace and God's goodness even right before the Ten Commandments in Exodus 19. If you're following in your Bibles or following on your smartphones, this is Exodus 19, verses 4 to 6. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. I mean, what an identity, right? We are God's treasured possession, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And by his grace, right, I have brought you. I've already done this work. I've brought you out. You know, um, as a kid, I would laugh when, when people, as growing up, I was a PK. PK is a pastor's kid. And I would laugh when people would tell me, you can't do that. You're a pastor's kid. I'm like, well, you're a Christian. You can't do that either. Right? And, and the power of this identity is we are to be God's treasured possession. If we will follow him, you know, walk in this covenant relationship he's given us, we will be a treasured possession, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. We're all meant to be ministers of the gospel. Not just, not just pastors, not just people working in the churches. We're all called to be representatives of a great and mighty God. And after this uh, reminder of God in his grace bringing people to freedom, we get the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. And this is pretty uh, groundbreaking because up to this point, all the other uh, all the other nations were polytheistic. They worshiped multiple gods. And if you remember that, uh, when the plagues were going on, we talked about how those ten plagues were in God saying overcoming the multiple Egyptian gods. Each one of those plagues represented one of the false gods of Egypt. And so God is saying, it's just me. I have no other gods before me. And this is what we get in the Shema, the greatest commandment. Here, O Israel, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Have no other gods before him. God is one. God is holy and he demands a life. He is the only one worthy of our worship. Commandment number two in Exodus 20 verses four to six. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven, above or on the earth, beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments." The core lesson here is when, whenever anyone or anything usurps the place of God, we're walking in idolatry. And it's so easy to walk in idolatry because our hearts are idol makers. 
It's so easy to love things more than we should. The love of money, the love of marriage, the love of country, the love of work, the love of self. Anything can so easily become an idol if we don't fight to keep God first. And many times, these things are good things. But it's when good things become God things. That's when we walk in idolatry. And, And the the basis here, right, is the basis of this commandment is God is a jealous God. And I think we, we read that and we hear that and we think, oh, that's so negative. He's, no, it's a good thing because God alone is worthy of our worship. And God wants to fight for us to keep us in the freedom that he has already provided for us. He's a jealous God and that is a good thing. Most people look at the Ten Commandments and they, they think, oh, it's so negative. And, and it's true, eight out of the Ten Commandments are in the negative form. Don't do this. But, but God is saying, I want to bless my people and keep you in this freedom. If we just see the negative and we think it's really negative, and we think God's a killjoy that just wants to keep us from having fun, then, then we act like Pastor Justin talked about last week with selective memory of what was before. And we start thinking the past or our captivity was a good thing, and it wasn't. So this is the, the foundation of who God is. God is good. And these verses remind us of of God's goodness, and it gets repeated later in Exodus 34 when God reveals his name to Moses. And the central part of that name is that he's so good. Exodus 34, 5 to 7. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with them and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the father to the third and fourth generation. Did you see how that repeats? Right? The passage of the commandments. You see... God is saying, take this seriously, because the actions of our sin can have a generational impact. And he is being generous. He's being a good, jealous God. Don't don't walk in this way. If we walk in this way, it can impact to a third, fourth generation, the sins of the Father. And we spoke this summer that the study of epigenetics and science has, in the last few years, proven what the Word of God has been saying for 2,000 years. The, the, the actions we take, our genetical, genetic markers can be found to a third or fourth generation in our family line. And so God is being so generous. While this can happen to a third or fourth generation, he's saying, you don't have to walk in generational sin. If you love me, I can pass that blessing on to a thousand generations. This is not negative. We need to follow God, but he wants to bless us, and he wants to bless our family lines. That's worth getting excited about, church. Commandment number three in Exodus 27. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses 
his name. So to misuse the name, many translations, you might have learned this is don't take the name of a Lord in vain. Same thing. And to be in vain means empty, groundless, without basis, frivolous, insincere. And so this commandment calls us to not use the names, name of the Lord in vain or to use it with profanity, obscenely. But it's much more than that. You see, in Hebrew, the name is associated with the very character of a person. And so we can't use the name of the Lord, uh, misuse it or use it insincerely. My dad used to say, there's not good prayers or bad prayers, just sincere and insincere. And when we're talking about the holiness of God, we were singing it there. I'm going to talk about the holiness, sing the holiness of his name. And so we need to make sure and do a gut check. And am I living in a way that is true to God's name? Or am I living insincerely, misusing his name in the way I act? Commandment number four is the last of the commandments that focus on our relationship with God. And it's eight through ten. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. And I don't need to take much time on this. On Labor Day, if you were here, we... We spoke uh, the whole time about the rhythm, maintaining good rhythms of work and rest. And so this commandment is reminding us to have good rhythms in our life. And, and a day, a week, one day where we pause from our work and to maintain worship to God in the span of ongoing life. And this shows our trust in God when we take a break. When we take a Sabbath, what we're saying when we do that is, you are God and I am not. You are in control, I am not. And that's a lesson we have to keep learning again and again and again. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. So that's our relationship with God. Secondly, there's the foundation of our relationship with others. In Exodus 20.12 has the fifth commandment. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And the fifth commandment is in the very centerpiece of the Ten Commandments. And I don't think that's a coincidence. Because the family should be the center place of society. Any society in history that has thrived has held the family as the centerpiece of our humanity. To honor is to esteem, to respect, to give reverence. And if we want to be raising kids that honor fathers and mothers, there needs to be this place of mutual respect. And like God models to us that his character is in its essence goodness and love slow to anger, compassionate mercy, then we need to be building homes of that mutual respect that, yes, have tough love, but focus on the relationship. 70% of people that rebel come from homes that focus on rules over relationship. Let's follow the rules of God, but let's make sure, like, God loves us 
in this context of his love. Commandment number six, Exodus 20, 13, you shall not murder. Pretty plain and simple, but the very foundation of this commandment is the creation itself. God made us in his image. And so humankind is of infinite value to God. And that's why the sanctity of human life is so important. In the book of Forgiving by Bishop Desmond and his daughter Mafo Tutu, they draw upon their rich experience in South Africa of apartheid and God's journey of healing and reconciliation. They say it's a miracle, it's an answer to prayer that there was not bloodshed in the country of South Africa. And, and, and in this book, they contrast the revenge cycle versus the forgiveness cycle. In the revenge cycle, there comes a point after we've been hurt and we walk through pain where we choose to harm others and there is this conscious or subconscious choice to reject shared humanity. But in the forgiveness cycle, people break the revenge cycle by choosing to heal and telling their stories and naming their hurt and then granting forgiveness which in a sense is recognizing our shared humanity. We cannot murder because we're all made in the image of God. And because of this, God calls us to not hate one another or think less of one another, but to recognize our shared humanity. Commandment number seven, Exodus twenty fourteen: you shall not commit adultery. And in, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus takes this commandment and elevates it. And he says, I tell you, if you look at a woman lustfully, you have committed adultery in your heart. And so we respect the sanctity of the marriage relationship. And we do everything in our power to come alongside and support one another. To not commit adultery outwardly or in our hearts. I just got to tell you, take advantage of the groups we've been given. There, as Kelly said, this is the first time there's a, a group for guys every day of the week. Can someone say amen? There are phenomenal groups for, for couples, for individuals. If you don't find something you're looking for, there's a sheet out there for an idea for another group. But take advantage of these opportunities to strengthen our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. It is so vital. I just have to testify. God did a miracle. I asked him, God, I'm believing you for a miracle. We're going through Exodus. I'm going to practice what I preach. Would you create 10 groups? Bring forward the leaders. And last week he did that. He brought 10 new groups. He answered that prayer. Now, it's your job to finish the miracle and sign up. Commandment number eight, Exodus twenty fifteen: you shall not steal. And I think many of us go, well, check that one off the list. But in the book of Micah, it says, if we withhold our tithes and offering from God, we're robbing God what is rightfully his. 
And not only that, I love how uh, Pastor Tim Keller calls sin cosmic ingratitude. We are to be continually thankful to God for what he has done, for how great he is. And if we are not doing that, if we're taking credit for what God has done, even the abilities he's given us, then we're practicing a form of plagiarism, taking credit for what he's done. Let's not fall into cosmic ingratitude. Let's be thankful again and again and again and not steal God, the glory that he's due. Commandment number nine says, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. And Jewish law stated that a man who refuses to give evidence is condemned as severely as a man who gives false evidence. If we see something, we need to step forward and Give true testimony. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And so we need to walk in that way. Walk in that way of truth. Walk in that way of life. And stand as he would call us to stand. Finally, commandment number 10. 2017. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Or his male or female servant. His ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. To covet is to desire, to take pleasure in, and the Christian answer to coveting is to be content. Hebrews 13, 5 says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. See, happiness is an inside job. True joy, true contentment, and peace will never come from outside objects. True freedom comes when we let godly contentment guard our hearts. God's best, his top ten and all his commandments are meant to keep us in the freedom and living the life the way he's designed for us. As we reflect on God's standards to protect us and to keep us in freedom. We recognize that many of our hearts are still bound and captive to hurts, trauma, unforgiveness, wounding that we've experienced and and still remain deep in our hearts. As one of our action steps in this series, following the series on Saturday, November 6th, yes, I know that's hunting opener, But we're going to have another Heart of Reconciliation retreat. And we've had a couple of these. And I want to tell you, powerful bondages and hurts get healed on this day together. And I want to just close by reading the testimony of a new hoper who attended this a couple years ago. I first learned about the Heart of Reconciliation process while visiting the Genocide Memorial in Rwanda. I was amazed by the people I met and testimonies I heard of unimaginable forgiveness. People who had witnessed family members being violently murdered by once trusted neighbors have now been able to forgive and once again reside peacefully with those same neighbors. Truly one of the most humbling experiences I have ever experienced. When New Hope Community Church offered an abbreviated version of the Heart of Reconciliation Retreat, 
I knew I wanted to attend. More importantly, I knew I wanted one of my adult children to also experience the process. The results have been life-changing for that child. My child experienced significant trauma during high school. This led to struggles coping with daily life, mental illness, hospitalizations, isolation from peers and community activities. I was fearful that my child would be an unfortunate statistic of suicide. Therapy and medications were only so helpful, and my child was also resistant to them. After participating in the Heart of Reconciliation retreat, I noticed so many positive changes in my adult child. Although they never completely lost their faith in God, I saw an increased renewal in their faith practices. I watched as the extremely tight wall they had built around them started to come down. I witnessed beginning to allow others into their life, an increased level of community involvement. I was amazed at the new effort put into therapy and on stabilizing their mental health. I am blessed to say that this same child is currently healthy, living independently, working full-time, as well as attending college classes. They have continued diving deeper into their relationship with Jesus. Some friendships have been renewed. New friendships have been made. There have been an increased ability to trust others, which has also resulted with involvement in their first healthy relationship. Don't let unforgiveness at any level reside in your heart. Truly experience the process of forgiveness using the heart of reconciliation process. It may change your life too. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you are a good God. We just declare your name today. You are Lord. You are slow to anger. You are compassionate and merciful, loving those who love you to a thousand generations. God, we want to know you and we want to walk with you. Would you forgive us and cleanse us and help us to walk in your best? We declare freedom over your people, God. We thank you for the freedom work you have done, and we thank you for the freedom work you're doing right now and what you will continue to do. And we'll give you all the glory and all the thanks. God, help us to experience your goodness in a new way this day. We love you, Lord Jesus, in your mighty name. Amen.